Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and this is 15 Seconds of Black Screen. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are talking about Minute 111, which begins... uh, uh, what, What is it that that bilbo says my my 11 first this is, this is the 11st minute which begins with peggy looking at steve's file and ends with steve listening to the ball game joining us on the show it is steve sarmento from the true story fm entertainment podcast network team hello steve hey guys it's great to be here uh we are thrilled to have you talking about this particular minute of this particular movie and, uh, you know, we're starting with lovely Haley Atwell as she looks at this file that Colonel Phillips had given her um, of Steve, of the Captain America program, which has now been closed. And uh, and she pulls out the photo of puny Steve. Um, what does it say that she's focused on this photo of little Steve here? Is she remembering that it was all just for science after all? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you you started uh, this thing, Pete. I'm and so I glad not, now it I came back to it. this, and that you're the one who said it. <laughs> Brilliant, uh, but it's a nice moment, though. I mean, do do you two like this moment of her looking at this picture of him? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> she's looking <laughs> longingly at a photo of little baby and, and Steve, of, of scrawny uh, Steve, yeah. or whatever you've named him in in your prior minutes. But yeah, I it's. I don't know how to take that moment because it's, yeah, it's, I guess we're building this emotional arc of, you know, the, the loss of, you know, this hero. So I guess there's, there's a lot of emotions at stake because her last, you know, conversation, you know, with him, you know, they had arranged the date. So there's that, that lost connection to that. So I, I think there's the personal aspect of this, the possible relationship that had been developing, and then the loss of, again, uh, uh, important asset to the military. So I think she's sensing loss on both ends of the spectrum there. My bigger challenge at the minute is the music, because we have, I've been watching it as a minute and not as part of the final sort of the denouement of the film and when the music starts it's and all i can think of is jurassic park and all i want to do is hear like is see the kids get in the jeeps and see the you know pterosaurs flying over the ocean with the helicopter and the yeah that's that's what i want that's not all they found in the ice yeah (laughs) exactly it is very distracting because when do we get to see the, I don't know what, Diplodocus. There's something. There's something. There's the big head under that under the uh, under the plane. Oh, that's that's a funny direction to take it. It is a funny music swell, though. It is a funny music swell. It's yeah. but it also leads us. It it feels almost outside the movie. I guess that's the that's the point I want to make. Is yeah. so much of the music that I really really love, and we do get back to the hero, um, you know, the hero theme as it transitions. We get a slow fade to the uh, to the shield now, which is which is, you know, a callback to obviously the trash can that Puny Steve used as. 
uh, you know, as his shield in the alleyway. And now it is actually adorned with the the markings of the captain. And I really like that. I like all of that. It feels very much of a piece with the rest of the film with Joe Johnston's, you know, aesthetic of the time, the kids running down the alleyway. And I, I, I like the feel, the old neighborhood feel, you know. Steve, what was your read on the film as far as what the public knows about Captain America? Do you think that they see him just as a as somebody who is helping sell war bonds and and kind of like a, a, a movie star who is dressed up and and went to fight and, and died or something like that? Or did you think that the public knew he was actually a super soldier? Like, how have you read the movie when you watched it? Oh, you know, I I hadn't thought exactly about that moment because, again, as an audience member, it's like we're being fed these specific pieces of information. So I, I think... Now I got to go back a few minutes because isn't there something in the paper? Because when he actually goes over there and fights, isn't there something in the paper about him like rescuing the group from the camp that's in the paper, yeah, right? So, is. so it's right. yeah. So as far as super soldier, no, but I think yeah, no. Well, no, they wouldn't know he was a super soldier because that's all top secret classified information. So I just read that as he's an he's a you know. Possibly is oh this actor that was selling war bonds that actually went and and did what he'd always said he was going to do, which was you know you know defeat Hitler, uh, you know type of thing. So I just took that as the public you know celebration of a somebody somebody ordinary that became like a full blown hero, and it's just a celebration of that, and that he had that. Uh, reputation from selling war bonds that you know he, the kids had become a fan of because that was one of the the comments that was made in an earlier minute about oh his his audience not being twelve years old or whatever so I just saw that as those kids having that hero that actually went and did the the real thing you know they I think they may have known because they'd seen the comic books all of that and now coming up from the pages of the comic book to being that real life hero is sort of how I read that and that's really what to a certain extent, what Steve always wanted, right, was to be just recognized, uh, or not even recognized, but just to be a hero. Like, he didn't have to be a super soldier. He just wanted to actually go over there and, and you know, stop the bad guys and, and stop them from bullying. So it's interesting that, I mean, I think that's a good way to, to read it, that the public doesn't necessarily know he's a super soldier, that he went through this government, the secret government program, but they still view him as this person who had been at the USO shows and then was in the movies and comics and then went over there to fight and succeeded and, and saved a bunch of people and, and really kind of became this representation of kind of the American way and, and all of that. I, I like that read. I think that's that's pretty solid. And it makes sense for then these kids to be doing dress up. Right. And I, I and as Pete mentioned, I, I love the callback to the, the garbage can shield of of kids taking what they have around them to recreate you know their their fantasy their dream of what they they want to be and i think that's something that was a a great way to start wrapping the story up is tying it back to the kids in the neighborhood where steve came from to call back to that shield of the he was just a kid that had a, a dream of standing up to the fighting bullies and now that has taken off you know into the neighborhoods and he's become that that icon for kids of you know anybody who grew up to be that that captain america type of figure of 
represent what's American and standing up to those bullies and seeing those kids with that shield and running running down the street. I thought that's captured sort of that sense of what it means to be an American at that time in the war of let's celebrate our strengths. Let's do that. It's that all American scene of, you know, kids in the street in the, you know, 40s. I, I was thinking that, you know, maybe just around the corner, you know, is where we get a kid, you know, 10 years later, you know, with a hula hoop in the Hudsucker proxy, right? You know, it's that same Absolutely. sense of, of those, <laughs> yeah. of, you get a bunch of kids that age and that just, it's the nostalgia piece of that. We, we weren't alive at that time, but we can all relate to a gang of kids running around, you know, play acting or whatever. And that's, you know, for me, a great way to put a capstone on a hero's life is the legacy continues through the youth. This makes me think I, this is uh, sort of minute adjacent, but to, on this point of public awareness of Cap's super soldierdom, one of the things I don't think we ever really see is when the public consciousness becomes aware that Captain America is a super soldier. I, at some point, you know, they have to. And it it happens, I think, 70 years later. But at what point does the public wake up and realize this guy who was a hero of the war is also a, a super soldier? And does that ever like for a series, for a film series that takes such uh, efforts to talk about things like the amplification of authority, military authority in the coming series like this is I, I think it's interesting to note that we never get the hero reveal of Captain America. We get the public relations reveal, the media reveal, but we never get the super reveal. And I think that's interesting in this character. Do they take that for granted? I wonder. I guess the answer to that would have to be 2012 when it is the Avengers and he's part of that team. And that likely would be the time when the public finally finds out because, you know, I, I think at that point, hey, we're under an alien invasion. All right. Yeah. OK, we have some super superheroes. The least of the surprises is going to be <laughs> yeah. that Captain America exactly. has its abilities. Right. Yeah. The government had some secret programs. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it just feels. Yeah, right. It's just secret secret programs. But it just feels like for all the setup that we get in this movie, they skip the part where he's revealed to be to have super abilities. And, and they take a lot of that for granted in so many of these movies. But, um, you know, after Iron Man. And I think, Andy, this goes back to our earning your wizards bit. Like, he became such a huge celebrity and that was such a big a big deal that he became a publicity figure as a superhero for everybody. And now we don't have to have that conversation anymore. Uh, but this one for, strikes me because we keep coming back around to this about Captain America as a celebrity in addition to being a superhero. It's something that we've talked about a lot over the course of the season because, you know, Senator Brandt puts him on the tour and stuff and he's picking up motorcycles. And, you know, but again, as we've talked about, it's never really clarified that right. uh, it's not a stage motorcycle and it's right. not on wires or something. It's never portrayed ever through the course of the film that this is a super soldier to the public. I mean, they see pictures of like this guy just stopped a Nazi in the streets of New York or the photo when he rescues 400 people. But they're never I mean, to us, the audience, they're never saying and he's a super soldier. So it's interesting to your point that they really do obfuscate that information. So <laughs> so so, it's, yeah, we're asking these questions uh, after still after, you know, 111 uh, episodes into this uh, season. Well, and sort of to put a pin in it, because 
we're going to have to at some point address some of the the sort of MCU reality of the of these characters as they come together in the Avengers at some point, whether we like it or not. It is. <laughs> it's the burden we bear. It is. Right, right, right. We do see a couple familiar signs in the background when we see the boys running. Um, there's a Broussards again, which we had seen that sign a few times as Steve was running around uh, trying to stop the uh, the Nazi. And there's also a Lucky O'Malley's, which we hadn't seen before. Uh, so it's nice to see like a little uh, presumably Irish pub uh, right there where everybody's playing on the streets. So, um, so it's kind of nice. It was nice to see. Um, you know, getting a sense of that, it did make me wonder, and I'm I'm guessing that this might have been something that they also just uh, picked up while they were over in the UK. So this could be a whole bunch of British kids running around. Um, but it is also entirely possible that um, this is on the back lot. So it's really hard to say. It makes me think you just suggested that they picked up a bunch of British kids and came over and shot them on a back lot. <laughs> like, what, Marvel, what are you doing? Just importing British children? Stop it. Well, they've got the money. That's the sort of crazy thing they do. <laughs> Let's not... This, we can't make those jokes, Andy. Not in an era where like somebody's going to spin that into Marvel That's running true. a child trafficking ring. We can't do that. God. <laughs> Oh, it only took, we didn't even get through the first phase and we're no, already, and we're already starting rumors. already poor American children who are unemployed because of those Brits <laughs> taking Marvel those, taking the, British children. They're, they're America washing those Brits. <laughs> we fought for our freedom 200 years ago and now we still, a hardworking American eight-year-old can't get cast <laughs> i will say that they are it's it's backwards because they're they're not america washing the kids they are british washing the film by filming it in england instead of <laughs> yes, good old we, american streets okay there right. we go all right that's right oh those american kids couldn't put on their gold blimey accents fast enough <laughs> And then we cut to, Andy, we do another slow fade to what I have to presume. No, it's a hard cut. It's a hard, hard cut. cut is the, I have to presume is the 15 seconds. 20. That It's 20. 20. See, I, this I, is where I was going. Yes. That Steve, I'm sure, chose this minute for. He wanted to be a part <laughs> no. of this cover. Steve, what does the blackness represent to you? <laughs> well, the thing with the blackness is... There's also sound, and that's that's the interesting part. And so this is one I did not see in the theater. I I don't believe we saw this in the theater. So whenever there's a a cut to black, it's a transition, right? I mean that's that there's there's something going on. The sound is there, I believe, presumably to let the audience know, no, 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 don't get up yet. This isn't over yet. The credits aren't going to play. There's something going on, and to me, they played it very well with it's a significant passage of time it's not a two second it's not a four second it's it's i looked at the time code it's like 20 seconds of blackness and sort of a sound in the background to give us a, a pause that there's something significant that has that is happening or has happened, occurred, a significant passage of time. That's the only thing that I can I can take away from that. And I think it's a it's an interesting choice to make 
to to go that long with it. Would ten seconds have been enough? Would fifteen? You know, where where does an editor? You know, how do you let that moment weigh on an audience? Because it's it feels interminably long the first time of like what is going on with that with that uh blackness and i think that's uh gives what comes next a little bit more of a punch because it were left hanging so so long with that yeah it's it's interesting because the music slowly kind of fades till it's just like one string that kind of holds for a little bit and then it's those arctic winds that kind of kick in and we've got some wind blowing which really it ties into the very beginning of the film because that's how the film also begins is we hear those winds as the team arrives in the arctic to uh, you know do the excavation um and then and that that goes for like a full 10 seconds of just listening to the wind and then very slowly a radio signal picks up and so it is a great example of using sound to kind of I, I thought you actually caught it perfectly, really capturing that passage of time where Steve is in the Arctic, he's buried, and then suddenly his head is starting to pick up these radio signals. Or no, he's, his head's not picking up the radio signals, but he's hearing them. <laughs> like, Super soldier and radio <laughs> transmit receiver all in one. All in one. But he's hearing the radio, yeah. and then that kind of wakes him up. And so... I, I, I thought it was a very effective way to kind of allow this to happen. And, you know, I counted it 18 seconds, but it is yeah. in there somewhere. Um, this passage of time as we then, you know, cut to Steve as it, it's a close up on his eyes as they're closed and then they slowly flicker open. Um, did you did you like it, Pete, or were you just kind of being cheeky about it because it is so long? No, I'm being cheeky about it. I actually do like it. And I think it's I, I think it is an important tool like it, they, he is using a very simple uh, technique, right? Just black, uh, but in a, a pretty complex, like emotionally complex way because of all the things you just talked about. It takes us out of the past. It reminds us as a callback to the present time by way of bringing us to the beginning of the film again with the Arctic winds. And yet it never takes us to the Arctic. It never takes us to the plane. It takes us to his eyes. And I think that transition and how long they linger then on the eyes as if we're waking up along with Steve is actually a, a an incredibly emotionally satisfying journey over those 15 18 20 seconds uh that i i think is is important to give us a chance to breathe a couple of times and realize what we've lost because that blackness shows grieving that you know we've with along with these people that have lost the cap as both a hero and as you know a a dance partner a lover but also lets us reminds us that we get to go on with science experiment that we get to go on with them in the future and and so it it's carrying a lot of weight this 15 18 20 seconds of silence and that should be the title 15 18 20 seconds of silence <laughs> <laughs> so i'm curious walking into this movie think back to when you first saw the film did you know what happened to Captain America in the comics, as in he had, you know, basically fallen into the ice frozen and kind of thought out uh, decades later. In the case of the comics, it was the 60s, just a couple decades later. But um, did you know that at the time when you came into this movie? And so when he wakes up, were you, did that kind of set things up for you? Hmm. Eve? Well, also, I one thing I've always wanted to know, did your parents name you Steve after Steve Rogers? <laughs> you may take that at the end. <laughs> 
I I don't remember. I like to forget everything when I'm going in to watch a movie. I like to forget the trailer. I like to forget prior knowledge and just suspend all prior knowledge and say, what is the story that I'm being told? And do that. And we we do get the setup is, you know, at, at the beginning of, oh, there's something nice. It's the shield. So, yes. I mean, it's like, okay, we've got to come back to that some somehow. So the fact that it's Steve, that that sharp cut to the close up, um, I don't think it was like, oh, my gosh, this is totally unexpected. But I think the way it plays it again, as Pete said, it, it gives us that 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 chance to mourn because the story could have ended there. It could have been the story of the first Avenger and he dies. And, you know, it's important because all the things that have been introduced with SSR and the Tesseract and all of those things are pieces that are important to the main Marvel story. But we could have lost this character. And I like the way that it played that way. And it it, it gave us time to, to mourn that and then cut to that of like, oh, Oh, okay. Yes, we can still, we still have our heroes. We still have an opportunity to fight against the darkness and the bullies and all that. But yeah, I don't think it was, I don't know that anybody, well, okay, maybe young children would have been surprised. I think back to myself being like eight or nine and would have thought, oh my gosh, he's really alive. As an adult, it's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't a surprise, but I think the way it it was structured, it, it worked very well to, to give us a second to think, oh no, that's it. We we killed him off in this, uh, or we're, we're not coming back to this again. Well, and that actually is a, a really interesting sort of thought experiment too, Steve. Like, I think there are, there is a, a, a universe in the multiverse in which uh, Johnston decided, you know what, let's leave it all on the field. Like, yeah. let's just leave it as if he died, and we can find him in the ice in, in the, the Avengers, next. and that right. can be how the Avengers starts, right? You know, that that's a choice. Like, they they chose to bring us back to the present for a reason, and I think it was the smart choice, but they you can totally see in another time that that, that could have been a different thing. Oh yeah. Then we would have had a, a post credit sequence of that Arctic moment or yes. something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I suppose the beginning does give it away a little bit. Like clearly they're setting something up as far as they're finding something. But uh like thinking back to it, I don't think I knew like the history of Captain America in the comics. So I think I went into it um just assuming he was a character in the forties and the opening might have set things up for me um so i wasn't too surprised with the end but uh you know i guess we'll talk a little bit about kind of what we're getting out of the end and i mean at this point we're what we're seeing is steve it it still is sepia tone it's got that beautiful sepia look that we've had through the entire film and uh and steve is looking around what looks i mean at the very last uh moment of this uh minute steve we cut to a slightly wider shot of Steve as he's looking around and it looks like a military grade hospital bed. It looks, you know, for all intents and purposes, like it's 1945 and he's waking up in bed. Well, Andy, why wouldn't it be 1945? Come on. What in this minute tells you it's not 1945, Andy? Nothing, right? That's we are there. Because I think the other way we can read that silence is, um, not just for the audience, but that's Steve's perception of time of we're cutting to sort of his consciousness, which is whether the coma or whatever. And the the wind and then the thing that brings him out of it is the sound of a good old all-American baseball game uh, wakes him up. 
And uh, that time was whatever amount of time it was that he was unconscious, which could have been two days, two weeks, two months uh, is another way to, to, to read that. So. Well, I think that's a really interesting camera trick and editing trick, too, because I, you know, this you you make that point like this is Steve's POV. I think that close up on his eyes really is a mirror POV, like his eyes are opening as the light comes up for us on the frame. And I, I think we're supposed to feel that way. We're supposed to to feel like like our our sense of reality, like we're being gaslit a little bit. Right. Just like Steve is just like Steve, just like he is. Yeah. <laughs> Always an opportunity for that callback, isn't there, Pete? Well, Steve's here. Come on, I can't pass <laughs> We got to do it with Steve. <laughs> Steve is the one who started it. I didn't start it. That yes. was Tommy. It was all Tommy. No, you did. It was you were complicit. <laughs> okay, complicit, yeah, just like complicit. I did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Um, the finest hours, everybody. Yes, <laughs> oh, check that out. Classic. The film board episode of the finest hours. Classic next real experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so the uh, so with Steve waking up, I think the only other thing is because um, we we see him on the bed, right? Waking yeah, up. Yeah, he's on the bed. Right. It's kind of a. So we see his. He's got his SSR at, yeah. T-shirt and boots on and everything and and all that. Like he's, you know, this was the one thing that I that. As an audience member watching this, I'm like, okay, somebody's in a hospital, but they're dressed and above the bed sheets. So it's not, it's not like, because I thought, <laughs> oh, if he'd been a patient, wouldn't he be in a hospital gown under under that? So that was the that's the first thing I I think of is like, what's going on? Why did they put his boots on? Right? You know, what's going on <laughs> with with that? Um, like he's ready to go out to, you know, go out dancing. I, I don't know. That's the one part where I have to question the choices made there of if you're trying to fool us into thinking he's in the hospital, you're not dressing him right for that. Maybe make him a patient. Maybe. Oh, yes. God, how stupid. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden, that's well, all I can yeah. think about. This yes. is the dumbest. There's, Thank yeah. you, Steve. There's going to be a lot of that in the next uh, the next minute, actually, the next couple of minutes. So we'll save some of that because... Yes. Um, there will be questions. There will be questions. Um, but let's let's leave it here for now. We'll come back tomorrow to talk about minute one twelve. Continue. Uh, Steve waking up in this nineteen forty five hospital room, and uh, go from there. So, Steve, uh, remind everybody uh, what you've been up to and where they can tune in to some of the stuff you've done out there on the internet. On the internets, on the series of tubes, you can find me uh, digging into the archives of the next reel on all kinds of things. Uh, particularly, there's that thing that I did for a while. What was that called? <laughs> trailer Rewind. Yes, Another, Trailer Rewind. How are we, how we doing, Steve? <laughs> did doing, you just throw a clot? Are you okay? I'm like, what's that thing? What's that show? Uh, yes, it is uh, Trailer Rewind that I did, uh, well, various iterations of uh, based on trailers that were picked on this show and other interesting things. And it's really to help navigate uh, these often overlooked and forgotten movies that are out there that may come up on streaming services of is it worth my time to watch this? Well, you can listen to a Trailer Rewind episode and and get a little review of uh, find some hopefully unexpected discoveries and surprises and maybe some new favorites uh, on there. And then if you really want to get into the, the depths of things, you can dig into the three of a kind that are out there on the next reel that I put together of three movies around a common theme. So that's where you can find me on the interwebs. 
classics of the genre. Lots of great shows. Classics. That's right. Lots of great shows. You can find them over on the True Story FM uh, network. And we'll have links for them in the show notes. And uh, that's it. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk about 112. More of this scene. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Steve. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next time, true believer. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> Whoa. That's, That's dang. That's dang. <laughs> uh, Pete, thanks as always. I'm named after Peter Rabbit. <laughs> Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega. And this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. What do you got? Nothing? Is that's that it? Uh, I, no. <laughs> Steve already did it. Uh, I forgot. I, you threw me. <laughs> the Peter Rabbit. I don't know why that threw me.